Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Appreciate you greatly. And uh, we didn't do a Super Bowl recap episode. I feel like, you know, the Super Bowl. Everyone's seen it. I have some takes, actually, but maybe I'll use my last words for that, or I'll do something else uh, later in the week. But we have other stuff to talk about. feels kind of good now that... Football's over. You know, we have to draft in, in some weeks. But we can start looking at baseball as a topic because that's been peeking into the news a little bit more and more lately. Obviously, the Mets made their moves. Yankees, not as many exciting moves, but still an exciting season to look forward to. And, of course, the New York Knicks. We're going to touch on them as well in today's episode. Tough loss to the Miami Heat. First uh, back-to-back of six where they play the same team. Or, you know, two consecutive games for the Heat played the same team that they swept of the season. So maybe they were due. Knicks played tough, couldn't close it out. But without further ado, let's bring in the co-host for today. First and foremost, my guy, Alec Argento. What's up, dog? That's right. Foremost. That's right. What's going on, my man? Sup? Doing wonderful. Um, wish we could have had the Knicks come out on the other side this, uh, tonight before we started recording because that would have been very exciting. would have been a big win. Played tough. It was a game under the hundreds. So they were playing in the 90s again, which has really been their M.O. And realistically, that's kind of what works for them, staying in games, making some clutch plays. But we're going to get more and more into the Knicks a little bit later on because also here with us right now, co-host Andrew Kalania. What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? Real excited to uh, break down some of this baseball. Maybe even the biggest move of the offseason, Joaquin Soria to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know he's still in the league. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I didn't know if you were being serious there for a second either. He he's not actually been good lately, has he? No, no not really. Okay, I was just. I have to check I, I've myself. Been, I've been doing this thing where uh, my intro to the pod, I bring up something completely irrelevant to the topic of uh, of the podcast. So I don't know if anybody's caught on yet. I've 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 kind of got it, and I like it because it's kind of like last words but first words, mm-hmm. and I like that. Keep it. Keep people on their toes off the jump. I I tend to do the same stuff. I almost if if. If I didn't have the zoom up on my computer where I saw you two guys right here, I could have went off on a Super Bowl take off the jump there and forgot that we were supposed to talk about baseball in the Knicks. But thankfully, I saw your faces and it reminded me. And we do have some interesting stuff to talk about. Now, I know, um, for example, Alec is is uh, reeling? Reeling. That's a word, right? That makes sense there? Yeah, that works. Uh, It It depends on how you use it. but He's reeling to talk Yankees because I think... There has been a general frustration or a general, uh, maybe that's not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're really to talk about the Yankees. I think the Mets have obvious things to talk about. Bauer not even going to the Mets, you know, that's tangentially related to the Mets and where he went is important and interesting nonetheless. So we're, we're totally going to get into baseball and then Alex totally really to talk Knicks. And I think we're going to have Andrew Klanya here to talk Knicks as well. So that's what's on the plate for today. Let's get into some baseball. Do we start with the Mets or the Yankees? And the reason I ask you guys the question is because I want you to take your fan ho- uh, fan fan caps off. You guys are both Yankee fans. Andrew does this more often than you possibly, Alec. But the reason I ask you in this manner 
where should we start is because I'm intrigued what you guys think is more interesting right now. Is this surge of an offseason under Steve Cohen pushing the Mets to a more interesting landscape or storyline arc of the season? Or are the Yankees still a bigger contender, more interesting, et cetera, et cetera? That's where I want to start. Who is more interesting at this moment? Oh, it's got to be the Mets. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I said this, it was the, I think it was like a Twitter thing the last couple, like last week or two weeks. It was like, what's your hottest, most controversial baseball take? And I think mine was, uh, while the Yankees are certainly the better team of the two, the Mets are certainly the more interesting team far and beyond uh, than the Yankees are. Okay. Cause I thought that too, even, but even I didn't want to just the Steve Cohen thing. It really, so you, you don't think his juice brought them to this, this spot. Cause he came in with uh, a lot of juice. No, I did, but they, but just the, the, the players that they had, the, the excitement um, that I think that they brought uh, even, even before then, like just watching like Dom Smith last year hit bombs and, you know, Pete Alonso is a real, likable guy and McNeil and Conforto, all those guys are like super likable, fun guys to like watch play every single day. And, you know, I could say the same, same thing about judge and Stanton and those guys, but they were like, again, they were hurt most of last year. So it's not as fun to watch uh, Mike Talkman uh, play every single day when, you know, when he's getting majority at bats, you know? Yeah, but I, but I know you don't want to even talk about the Cohen stuff right there. But I mean, the Cohen stuff is incredibly exciting. I mean, you have oh, yeah. obviously you know this, but like Frankie Lindor is my favorite non-Yankee and mm-hmm. has been in the league for forever. Uh, him and Mookie Betts, and it's nice that I could root for Mookie, but I kind of forget because he was a Red Sox forever. But Frankie Lindor is the perfect player for the Mets. He's a lightning rod. He's so freaking likable, and the fact that the, the Mets were able to get Carrasco for a throw in in that is ridiculous. Plus yeah. you get Syndergaard back, you know, you don't know what, what Syndergaard is going to be, but he's better than Porcello and Waka, right. Oof. Of last year, the, the, at the end of your ro- rotation. Yep. And, um, I mean, you obviously have DeGrom. That's a good team right there. I, it depends on what happens with the bullpen. It depends on if the Mets or the Mets, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just more exciting right now than where they are. Drew said it right though. The Yankees are the better team on paper their division's also not as interesting, right? The, the, as, as the NL East is right now, nobody really knows how that's going to go. So yeah, I mean, kudos to the Mets and, and the fact that they were in on Trevor Bauer, um, even though they didn't get him is an awesome sign that they were willing to be in on a guy who, who, uh, who cost them $40 million a year. What was the last time you could say that about the Wilpons, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you could ever really say that, I mean, it did seem like the couple times they really, really spent recently. It was, it was really, Bad, right? So I, I think I agree with the obviously with the Mets being more interesting right now. I wasn't a hundred percent sold that Alec was gonna agree there. Andrew, I did see your tweet, so I knew where you were going. Uh, but yeah, that, that makes sense to me. And it's always another part of it is what's new on the block. You know, what's more exciting because we haven't really seen it before. The idea of what something can be a lot more times is more exciting than what it is, even at its peak. We're see we're seeing it in all sports across the board. The perfect example right now is the Milwaukee Bucks. They've lost in the playoffs a couple years, just like the Yankees, but they have been extraordinarily dominant and should be looked at as a very fun, exciting team every single year with this core that they have. But like the Yankees, it's like, all right, like put up or shut up when it matters most. Like that's how Yankee uh, Yankee fans feel right now. If you're not getting it done in the playoffs, like talk to us in October, okay? Like we're sick of this nice story, 
uh, exciting, fun, young team. Like, we're not that anymore. We need to win championships. That's where the Bucks are at. People are sick and tired of them. The Mets are in that spot where it's more like, um, <clears throat> you know, saying the Brooklyn Nets would be way too aggressive. But maybe like the Phoenix Suns, who are now looking like a playoff team, um, whereas in the past they were just, you know, oh, they got some nice young guys. Like, no, no, now they're serious. Now they have a playoff uh, contender. They got Chris Paul. Lindor can be looked at as the Chris Paul of that of that comparison there. But the Yankees still should be looked at as a World Series contender, favorite. What word would you like to label that there? Definitely in the favor in the AL. I mean, the rest of the AL basically stopped trying. So, I mean, the, the, the Rays let go of Morton. They traded Ian Snell away. The Indians traded away Carrasco and Lindor. I mean, the eight, like nobody's spending any money. The Red Sox are retooling. Like the Blue Jays are adding position players, but they don't have any pitching. And there's, again, there's nobody really in the central. I mean, the White Sox are exciting, but again, I don't see any other team besides the Yankees being the favorite in, in the American League. Curious to see what happens with the Astros though this year. If if there are fans in attendance to see how that if that galvanizes them or if yeah, I mean they weren't a bad team last year. They 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 made some moves in the and made some noise in the in the playoffs. Obviously they, they kind of wouldn't they they snuck in based on the sixty game season and the expanded playoffs and everything, but yeah. I still don't think they're a bad team. I mean, you know, we'll see how that Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how they replace Springer too, which is uh which is kind of the interesting thing. Um, and plus no Verlander for, again, for the whole year, um, you know, it, let's see how, let's see how they, re, let's see if they replace them. Maybe they'll go sign like Jackie Bradley or somebody like that who sucks, but, um, <laughs> you know, but maybe we'll you see know. how, see how they do. <laughs> well, off the jump here, cause then we're going to start talking about the Mets in particular. We'll start, we'll start there and then go on to the Yankees right now. The Dodgers have the best, uh, world series odds at plus three fifty. That's to repeat. So that's tough. Uh, repeating, as we know, we just saw the Chiefs lose to the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Repeating in any sport is absolutely an incredible challenge, but the Dodgers are the favorite right now, plus 350. The Yankees, like you mentioned, are second, the first AL team at plus 550. So Vegas is saying this team is, if not, you know, second. They're they're right there. You know, a couple weeks of the season, they're looking strong. They could easily have equal odds to the Dodgers to win the World Series. Do you know who the next three or four teams might be? Just out of curiosity to get this conversation kicked off. Uh, Padres. Padres. Number three, plus 800. Good call. Then we have the Uh, other, the next team is an AL team. AL? The next team's an AL team. Is it the A's? Mm -mm. The White Sox. It's the White Sox at plus 850. Don't you think that's a bit aggressive? I mean. Oh, yeah. One one good shortened season, and we're we're saying they're going to be fourth best team here? Yeah. I mean, they, they. I definitely think they improve. I mean, you know, if you have a front rotation of Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn, that's pretty good one through three. And they signed the best relief pitcher in all of baseball. So, and I mean, their their guys still don't take a walk ever, but um, you know, they have a bunch of young, exciting guys. So I, you know, I could see them uh, getting together, but they still don't have a DH either because Encarnacion isn't signed and he was atrocious last year. So um, they could still improve as well. And, uh, yeah, Alec, you started on the next one. So the, the next two are tied for the same odds, and that rounds out the top uh, six there, and then there's a bigger drop in odds. Do you know who the next ones are, fifth and sixth? You said one of them, Alec. Bra- Braves and A's? No. Braves and the team we're about to talk about, baby, the New York Mets. 
New York Mets. Plus really? a plus a thousand. That's, that's crazy. That's aggressive, man. That's what I'm saying. But it's early, right? So these are these are trying to entice people. The Mets are hot in the news right now. They're hot in the press. They're going to try and get people to probably put money on it. Do we really think the Mets are going to win the World Series? Uh, you can't say it with that much confidence, obviously. But again, Dodgers plus three fifty, Yankees five fifty, Padres, White Sox eight hundred, eight fifty, and then Braves and Mets both plus a thousand. Drop off to the Twins, A's, Blue Jays, Cardinals, etc. I tell you though, I would I would not bet on the Dodgers. We haven't had a repeat World Series winner since the Yankees in in uh, two thousand. So uh, anybody else, probably a better shot for you. That's and, what especially I'm... with the Dodgers. The Dodgers could only win a World Series when when uh, it was a sixty game season. And it was all funky and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. typically the, Dod- the Dodgers do not do well in the playoffs. So I I do not have any confidence in them repeating. You're taking even with all of the stuff that they added. You're taking away the Mookie factor of him giving a different level of swagger to this team, a different level of experience. It's, <laughs> you're supposed to be your boy. You know I'm not. That's supposed <laughs> to be your boy. He just lifted him up. But no, I agree I with you. Mookie. And also, if you really think about it, this team has not just. Uh, Come up short. They've played deep. How many World Series have they played in in the past four the years? Three? Three of the last four. So there's got to be a wear and tear mentally there, too. Is there a hangover? I don't know. They seem too good for a hangover like that, but we shall see. Anyways, let's talk about apparently one of the other top four teams, according to Vegas, in the NL, and that's the New York Mets. So Andrew and I did a whole podcast on Lindor and Carrasco and you know what that does to the makeup of of a team, adding stars, adding people like that. So, Alec, why don't we start off with you? And when you saw this happen, when the when the trade was officially pulled off, did you really feel a, a turn of the page for this franchise, whereas it's not only going to be willing to spend money, but true successful successfulness bred from the top down, like we wish for the Knicks and many other franchises? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it remains to be seen because... In New York, you could have someone like Dolan who's willing to spend money and it doesn't amount to anything, right? Mm-hmm. But you you haven't seen that kind of effort put in from from the front office in a long time with them. It's almost like, a, like it's it, there's like a cocky bravado to it, and you want that in New York, right? And it's funny because I, I was thinking about this before, and like usually in, in each each sport, you know, there's a there's a big brother and a little brother. But I've always felt like the Mets, there was room for them to be on the same level playing field as, as the Yankees if there was some success factor there. So I, it's all about mentality, right? I mean, if if you have that yeah. mentality there and, and and you switch that culture around and you have that bravado, that works and that plays here, and that's going to result in wins in, in New York because. Ultimately, the, the biggest thing against you is media, right? And and, and if, if you could stop giving um, bulletin board material to to, to, to the journalists in, in New York, it's going to help you a lot. So you got good clubhouse guys. You added positions of need. Um, and, and that's all you can do. And, and now you you seem like a destination, right? And, and that's like what we talk about with the Knicks, right? You, you just want to build the culture so that people come here in the future, that people want to play. That it's not, you don't just come to, the, to that, that home, uh, to, to City Field and, and act like it's a, uh, you know, it's, 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 I'm going to show out so I can, you know, get an easy win and, and, and pad my stats and stuff like that. So um, Mets have been on a good trajectory for a while. I mean, it's not like they're too far removed from, from a world series appearance that long ago. So, I mean, it's, it's all positive things for them. Steve Cohen is the one thing though, because uh, you know, it, it's all cute and fun with Steve Cohen when he's on Twitter until something happens. And then he, you know, public opinion could turn really quickly when your owner's on Twitter. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. But I mean, yeah, if I'm a Met fan, I'm, I'm stoked right now. I'm excited to see about the future and just to feel like I'm a big market team in a big market all of a sudden, like we've never been in uh, in 40 years. 
Yeah, and and I think we said before we started the pot, it's very encouraging for them to go out and, and even be a contender for Bauer to say we're comfortable spending 40 to $45 million a season per, for, for someone who we think can put us over the top. So, you know, I would definitely be on the lookout, maybe mid season, maybe you go trade for Chris Bryant, maybe you go trade for somebody like that and be able to, you know, even have the money to extend Lindor and, and, and take on some, some bigger, some bigger contracts some bigger expiring contracts and the Mets be able to absorb it and improve that way too. I was still muted there for a second, but absolutely, um, it, it's it is real exciting. And there's one caveat that I think all Mets fans feel: every moment where the hype becomes a certain level, where the expectation becomes real, where it's not just people in New York, not just Met fans saying, "You know what? Like this team could be frisky. Like this team might have some juice." As soon as regular baseball fans or people outside of New York circle are saying stuff like that about the Mets. For me, at least, the guard instantly goes up. And I'm like, all right, what's the catch, right? Like, what what is actually happening here? Every time uh, every, we get all hyped about the Mets, they come out and they're disappointing. The, bu- uh, the bubble, they didn't go in a bubble, but you know what I mean. The shortened year last year, it wasn't a true disappointment. There was obviously, you know, the pitching stuff went from their biggest strength to it was DeGrom and nobody. So hopefully that comes back with health and whatever, and there, there should be expectation there because the offense was actually good. Andrew, is there any reason for my skepticism for a Mets fans um, guards to go up or, or do you really, really believe in this team Now you have been a bit of a Mets uh, optimist over the past season or two? Is that continuing or, or is there a good reason for me to keep my guard up? I don't, I, I, again, it all comes down to the, it comes down to their pitching. It comes down to the bullpen. I mean, they've, they've added guys. I mean, again, you're going from DeGrom and Peterson and basically nobody else then you have Carrasco and then you have Stroman coming back, whether or not you think Stroman's a real difference maker. But again, he's your number number three or four starter. And you, even the the trade for the Dodgers with uh, Lucchesi, is, is that, am I saying that correctly? It looks like Lucchesi to me, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey. Hey, Kalanya, uh, <laughs> you don't know about Lucchesi? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Uh, you know, those guys, even that's just, this is quality depth and Trevor May, who was a really underrated relief pitcher for the twins, big strikeout guy, high velocity guy. I think that, that, um, helps shores up some of the bullpen and, you know, hopefully Diaz can, can, you know, he still hasn't had a a save in back-to-back days as a Met. And this is, we're going on year three of, uh, Edwin Diaz. Um, but I think I think the bullpen has improved. I think the rotation's improved. Um, whether or not it all holds up, we'll see. But I, I think you can be. I think what was the what was the infuriating uh, Infuri- optimistic? Infuriatingly or, optimistic. Mystic. So keep yeah. that level. So keep a little bit of a guard, but also be hype. Is what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but the difference between like with the with the Mets and the Yankees is is that like your bar for a successful season as a Mets fan is a lot different mm. than the bar for the, for a Yankees, right? For you, sure. you're like, they've been hovering around a playoff spot for a while now. Seems like they have enough talent to break that threshold and be a playoff team. That's a huge win for Mets fans. You know what I mean? That's an exciting season to get to a division series. If you, if you sneak into, you know, uh, uh, the, the championship series, that's an awesome freaking season for, for the Mets where you haven't had that. So it's just, it's, it's kind of a different mentality and, uh, you know, I, I think that you have reason to be 
less cautious in your optimism, right? And the only yeah. thing that would worry me as a Met fan is that kind of the division, because that division, I don't really, I, I, it's hard to look into what happened last year and be like, okay, we have an idea of what's going to happen this year because you don't. Um, and, you know, the Braves continue to be a, a stronger team year after year. I don't think the Phillies are as bad as they were last year. Mm-hmm. I, the Nationals had a down year the after the World Series. Yeah, so you just you don't know what's going to happen. That's that's the only thing that I would worry about. But that's what's exciting, right? If you're a good team in a good division, that's exciting. You're playing for something each game, and and then rivalries are reborn, and you know that's exciting as a as a as a team a fan of a team that I haven't really had that for a long time. The Marlins yeah. also don't suck. Remember that. Very good point. They don't suck. I don't know if we can say that they're really good yet, but they don't. They they, they seem like they don't suck, especially off the bubble last year. Or I, I give bubble, all the credit to Don. Let's see what happens. And- all yeah. the credit to Don Mattingly and nobody else. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think they're going to have that good of a season this year, to be honest. I think they're still yeah. a bad but, team, but I there's a difference between, you know, winning 60 games and winning 74. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they're looked at for the past couple of years after they sold every single thing they had to be a truly bad team, like lo- bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel. Well, based off what we saw last year in the shortened season, they could be at least respectable. And we know how those division games go. Uh, is is another part of the point there. But, Alec, I have a question for you. Because I remember last year, and I doubt, you know, you're going to remember exactly each person that you talked about, but Andrew and I were here with the infuriating optimism saying, like, if this guy does this, that can be legit. Alonzo returns as a really great hitter. That's great. Dom Smith, blah, blah, blah. And we're doing all these things. Like, yes, this can be great. That can be great. This can be great. Some of those things, especially offensively, turned out to be pretty damn good. But you were saying you're basing a preseason prediction a preview on very few absolutes and I thought it was a good point by you you were like the only absolutes really are DeGrom and if you're really want to be generous because you only done it once Alonzo and turns out he wasn't an absolute he wasn't you know a knockout last year so one year later after the shortened season how many you can take this either way you want you can either say how many absolutes do they have or how many question marks do they have you know which, which one solidified themselves in either direction that's a good question. I, I, I think that you have a little bit more absolutes now, right? You have you have DeGrom, but I think Carrasco is a difference maker. I really do. Um, yep. Frankie Lindor is a question mark in and of himself, right? Because he had a down year, but he still has the pedigree to, to take you over the top if he's there. Um, I don't know, but I think McNeil has, has solidified himself as an absolute. I think he's good now, right? I think we can officially say he's good. Um Conforto, I think we can. We're, we're borderline saying he's officially good, uh, but the rest I would say are question marks. But th- but that's a good sign, right? Is going from will Betances be a good player this year? Will you know? Will JD Davis be a good player? We don't know. Uh, to, to having a couple people that you know you're going to be able to rely upon, at least in theory, I think that's a huge swing towards you know a positive. Moment. Yeah, they they definitely raised their floor a lot with um, even the, even the bench bats that they have now. So they have Jose Martinez now on the bench. They have Albert Almora on the bench they have, and they just signed Jonathan Villar today. So they all have these guys that like, they're not going to light the world on fire, but they're, you know, they were a lot of feast and famine last year. And um, these guys just raised the floor a lot more and they'll be able to, you know, step in and contribute and, you know, again, not going to light the world on fire, but it's a lot better than what they had. I didn't know they signed Villar. That's a good signing for them. Yeah, that was just that was like a couple hours ago. Yeah, that's a really oh, wow. good signing for I did, them. I did bench not player. know yeah. that one either. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. And I mean, that's exactly what you want to hear. It's a it's simple. 
it should or it seems simple to ask for, right? As a sports fan, I want my team to do X, Y, and Z to make them competitive, respectable, and they're trying to do better. They're trying to be the best they can, right? That's that's kind of all fans ask for. Now, obviously, it gets more convoluted and complicated if you get into specifics, but the Mets have officially reached that point. Um, before we move on to the Yankees, because we don't want to talk too much more now, uh, is there anybody in particular you want to make a little bit of a preview or a prediction on? One guy, maybe you want to make sure he's getting his ABs. Is there somebody, because there's one obvious one, it's probably Dom Smith, right? He, he should be getting X amount of ABs, but then... The DH thing comes into play, which is absolute malarkey, bogus, BS, the worst thing MLB's like deciding on. Anyways, there's no universal DHs right now, which is ridiculous, but it does hurt the Mets. Any any player in particular, pitcher or hitter, that you guys want to just shout out or make a challenge or, or prediction for? I, I, I'll start. Uh, I'd say Brendan Nimmo. I mean, again, you're talking about the... the the, the whole crux of like the offseason was saying, oh, we need Springer because Nimmo's terrible in center field. Well, it's also, I think it's the combination of him and Smith and left and center that both, uh, I would say they're both, they're both, I wouldn't say they're, they're the atrocious. I don't think Nimmo's an atrocious center fielder. He's not a great center fielder, um, but he's definitely your leadoff hitter. The guy is a career 390 on base percentage. And, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's your leadoff hitter. Um, it kind of sets the table for McNeil and Lindor and Conforto. Uh, I think that's a guy that uh, can can solidify himself as, you know, a starting a starting caliber center fielder if it, you know it can improve the defense just a little bit. Yeah, I don't have any shout outs. Uh, I guess I just hate Brendan Nemo so much. He's aware of this. <laughs> I, I despise when he sprints to first base on a walk. I, uh, screw yeah. that Pete, guy. De- I, Pete, I, Pete brought I, that up. <laughs> I, I absolutely hate him. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the only person I would like to see, like you said, Pete, is Dom. I love Dom Smith. Uh, I think he's electric. But he's – I mean, that guy's got to get traded if there's no DH. But I, I think after this year. But do you stash him for a year knowing the DH is most likely yeah, to come next I, year? I, I, I guess I so. so. Yeah. Definitely. But, you know, you waste a year of his development too at that point. I mean, the guy cannot play left field. He's clearly a first baseman who's below average in and of itself. Uh, but uh, – I don't know, but Dom Smith's got to get a bats for that team. And if he does, I think he's going to produce that guy just benefits from consistent at bats more than anybody else. Uh, yeah, I've seen in a similar situation. Yeah. You just, you just hold your nose with the, the two, those two outfielders right there and their defense. And, you know, you, you just hope that they hit enough to justify, you know, some of those uh, balls in the gap that are definitely going to get by them. Yeah. That's tough. I, I, Part of me wants to be like, all right, it's left field. Dom Smith's, you know, he's serviceable enough. Like, who cares? But then when you're watching a game and these mistakes come late, you know, seventh, eighth inning, uh, granted, you could obviously have defensive replacements and things like that, but then you're taking one of your best bats out. It's just such a shitty situation that could all be solved with the MLB making the right decision, doing the right thing, and keeping the DH. Like, they already broke the ice. I just don't get it. I don't get it like at all. Also, also return of the seven inning double headers, which in my like it worked, it was okay, and I was palatable for a sixty game season. For a, a legitimate season, it's the worst possible thing. Well, the only reason opinion. I don't hate that as much, and if you don't know what we're talking about, the three things that are uh, decided on that were different last year that are now decided on, it's they did not bring back the universal DH, which I think everybody who matters at this point would want back, right? Um, 
mm-hmm. including the players, right? And the players and the teams yeah. want that too. And the owners. And, and the, the owners. They're, just, they're, ho- they're holding it as a bargaining chip for expanded playoffs. Exactly. Maybe it it, and maybe it'll still happen. Maybe, you know, they'll do what they did last year and change the rules and the playoff structure on <laughs> opening day. Yes. It's Literally. Such a shit show. Rob Manfred <laughs> on TV live. Show. Not even knowing what's going on. Anyways. So one was the no universal DH, which is crappy. The other one was there will be seven inning uh, double headers, which mm-hmm. realistically, if you want to argue that, all right, that helps because there's going to be cancellations for COVID. It's still going to whatever help condense the season. I could accept it. It's not great, but I can accept it. And then the runners on second and extra innings is back as well. Would have liked to see that not happen in the 10th, but maybe the 12th. But again, I think it's something you can live with. The DH to me is just brutal for National League fans who got a taste. They got a taste and then ripped it right out of your mouth and said, nah, just a couple of sprigs of salt get on your tongue. That's all you get. You don't get the whole thing. No you nutrients sucks for you. Too. Rob Manfred's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Like, that's unavoidable. <sighs> that, that, like, that, that will happen as it always happens. And it's just like the worst person to ever happen to baseball. Unreal. Yeah, Unreal. So much. Just seems like there's no reason behind it other than the bargaining chip, which is just, that's just selfish, man. It's just selfish. Yeah. The Mets in particular <laughs> need this guy. They need the mm-hmm. DH. So do the Braves. Ozuna, as you guys mentioned in our group chat earlier. Anyways, I digress. We have to move on. It's been five years, four years of this podcast, and Alec and I have been complaining for all four of those years talking about the universal DH. When is it going to get just taken care of? <laughs> On to the Yankees. Thank God. I needed to just get that off my chest for a second. Every year I need to do it at least twice. That's the first time. And then I'll do it one more time at the preview if it doesn't get fixed. And we'll move on. The New York Yankees, though. Very exciting. Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, Al Gargento, Andrew Kalanya. Uh, shouts to you. Let's talk Yankees. Not as much movement and excitement with the Yankees, right? So you look at the depth chart and, you know, Kluber is now in town and Italian's in town. That's, you know, things to 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 hang your hat on. It's not things to get, like, super jacked about probably, right? But this team's still damn good. Off the jump, though, what looks what jumps out to you guys as the place they miss the most in the offseason? Whatever position or person it may be, where did they miss the most this offseason? I, I don't I, think they had any uh, – go, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I don't think they missed out on anything on, on the offensive side of things. I think anybody would agree with that. We're fine on there. Mm-hmm. We have the depth. We're good there. You added pitching. You have the same problem the Mets had last year, which is you have a bunch of question marks. Could it break our way? Sure. Are the odds in our favor? Absolutely not. You have three pitchers in our starting rotation who haven't pitched in over a year. You have Kluber, Tyon, and Severino now. It's very unlikely that two or more of those pitchers break uh, our way, right? And then in addition to that, you also have Montgomery, who is still kind of a question mark in and of himself. You have Herman coming back, who nobody knows what the hell to expect uh, from him out of that, even if he should be in the league after what he did. Um, and then uh, you have Debbie Garcia, who is a pitcher who is exciting. And, you know, maybe he could be going in the right direction there. But uh, he's he's a young player who's five foot nine or whatever he is. And, and he's, you know... You, you don't know what you have in, him, in someone like him until like three or four years down the road. So their pitching, their starting pitching uh, rotation is suspect to say the least. Is their pedigree there? Sure. 
does Garrett Cole speak highly of Jameis and Tyon? Yes. And that's like big for me for sure. But the guy hasn't pitched in two years. Um, and then you have our bullpen. You traded away uh, out of, you know, to the Red Sox, which is sacrilege and, and Steinbrenner's uh, George is George is rolling over in his grave right now. You added Darren O'Day. That's cool. He He's somewhat effective right and outside of that you have Britain who should be the closer and isn't Chapman who's steadily declining and can't be a big game pitcher anymore and honestly probably never was a big game pitcher uh and then you have Chad Green who Chad Green's good for a great season and a bad season so I think we're on on that roller coaster we're due for a a bad one so we'll (laughs) see how that even goes so I mean that their pitching is suspect all around outside of Cole and you know what? I mean, as much as we all love Cole, he didn't have the best season of all time for the Yankees last year. Granted, it was a 60-game season, and and he seems to be the type of person that hits his stride maybe, you know, two-thirds into uh, – I mean, a third into the season or whatever it is. But, I mean, how, this team this team did not get better, and you could arguably say it got worse this year, losing someone like Tanaka, having a big-game pitcher. Mm. I don't know. I mean – sad. I, 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 and, and like I was, we, me and Drew were talking about this beforehand, but there's the only thing uh, just as bad as saying uh, we're getting a pitch, the, you know, getting a pitcher back from injury is just as good as uh, uh, making a trade of the deadline is acting like you did a good job for getting uh, for a returning free agent who clearly wanted to be on the team from the beginning and took a huge pay cut to stay with the team. So it's, it, listen, are the Yankees going to make the playoffs? All signs point to yes. Did they do anything to get over the hump that they've been in? Absolutely not. So it's just incredibly frustrating, frustrating as it is every year. Treating the, this the, the luxury taxes as, as a salary cap is infuriating. Shedding money to the Red Sox is something that will never sit right for me. I don't care if you believe in Adovino or not. There had to have been another team that would have taken him on. So I'm just, I'm frustrated with the Yankees. And again, it goes back to what we were saying before is like the floor, the, 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 the our expectations as a Yankee fan is different, right? Like we're going to make the playoffs more than likely, but that's not exciting when you make the playoffs and lose every, every time you go there. It, it, it doesn't really do anything for me at that point. I, there's the only thing worse than being bad is being boring in sports. And the Yankees are kind of boring right now. Yeah. Wait, I, you, you, you've absolutely summed up everything Andrew, that I wanted to, I to say as well, but you know, the, okay. the thing, the thing about their pitching is you want some kind of certainty there, even if it's boring certainty Tanaka, you know, whether or not he was still an above average pitcher, he, you, you could pencil in 150 to 170 league average innings every year even someone like uh, Jose Quintana who signed with the angels, he, someone who gives you, boring 170 100 190 innings of just league average league average you know you have you you you, there was no balance of certainty and upside here it was all you have to cross your fingers and you have to hope that Corey Kluber is healthy you have to hope that Jameson Tyon is healthy you have to hope that Luis Severino comes back from Tommy Jones surgery and is the pitcher you have to hope that Domingo Ormond isn't a isn't batshit crazy and you know is going to retire on on Instagram you know you have to hope that Jordan Montgomery <laughs> takes the next next step forward you have to hope that Darren O'Day can replace Adam Adovino in the role in the bullpen and they still Needed an, they needed another bullpen help when Tommy Kingley went down with Tommy John surgery and they didn't replace yep. him. So they 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 have all these holes here and and the offense is fine. You know I, I never I was never one of these people who went into the offseason thing like oh they have to trade Luke Voigt so they can get a left-handed batter. Like there's no one that that's in that lineup every single day that you will reasonably expect 
Like there's not a left-handed version of them out there that, that you can just plug in. Like you'll, you'll get worse by taking Luke Voigt out of the lineup. You'll get worse by taking Glaber Torres or Clint Frazier or John Carl Stanton or Aaron Judge out of the lineup every single day just for the sake of a left-handed bat. You're going to get worse. So offense was fine. I never expected – I always expected DJ to come back. I think that was a consensus um, – from, from almost every Yankee fan, but they didn't do anything to, you know, my, one of my key things for the off season was, you know, okay, so you have all these right-handed guys and the Rays clearly exploited them in the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they threw out all the right-handed uh, flamethrowers and they just mowed down the Yankees. So the Yankees didn't have any kind of comparable left-handed bench bats to, to combat that their best left-handed option was Mike Ford and Tyler Wade and Mike Talkman. And guess what? And, and Gardner and, and, the, and they Ooh. still haven't resigned Gardner, but I assume, you know, when they trade out of, you know, that's who the money was for. Um, so they don't have any kind of left-handed bat. I, I expected them to improve the bench and kind of do what the Mets did and just bring in, raise the floor of, of, of those bench bats to, to complement when a, a guy needs a wrestler, just base somebody on a matchup. Because like, again, Mike Ford can't be the guy that's getting that eighth inning at bat in a month in a must win game. It's just, it's just not, that's just not how it is. And, and, and top it all off with the uncertainty in the playoff rotation. Like I don't understand what the mindset is and I don't understand treating the, the, the luxury tax as a salary cap. This is the second time within this Yankees championship window with this core of players, they decreased payroll by $50 million to get underneath the luxury tax. They had, they had a payroll last year of $50 million more than what they're going into the season now. And they're telling us that, you know, they're becoming complacent like the, like the Cubs were doing. They said, oh, we won the championship, except the Yankees didn't win a championship. They barely made it out of the fucking ALCS. Even the Red Sox, you know? same thing. It's, they it's won a couple it's, recently. It's, and, 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 and the last thing I'll say is, you know, I didn't want the Yankees to sign Trevor Bauer. Never did. Never absolutely did. He's the last guy I wanted on this team. Um, but the Dodgers, who were literally the last team that needed starting pitching. Yep. Went and signed him, went and signed him, went over the luxury. They're now at 200, $240 million. They're way they blew past the luxury test. They did not need Trevor Bauer, but they saw we won a championship. Our window is open. We're going to spend and we're going to continue to try to keep that window open. The Yankees are doing the complete fucking opposite. And that's infuriating and it's disgusting as a, as a, as a fan and say, okay, yeah, great. The Steinbrenners have continued to spend around $200 million, but they've never gone all in. They've never said this is, you know, okay, they signed Garrett Cole because they needed to sign Garrett Cole. Not because Garrett Cole was a luxury. Not because Garrett Cole was um, someone to put them over the top. He was he was an absolute necessity for the current construction of this team. It wasn't, it wasn't to put them over the top. They never made those moves to put them over the top and to increase those margins. And that's infuriating as a fan. And, I, and it sounds spoiled, again, as, a, you know, the Mets – and and you know other other teams in baseball have, have not had the type of success uh, as the Yankees, but the expectations are here. And if you're trying to tell me that this is the this is the team, and this is the core again, Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent in two years. Uh, Gary Sanchez is going to be a free agent in two years. Garrett Cole is in in the primers career now. Same with Stanton. Same with DJ. Same with uh, how long is Chapman going to be an effective guy? Like the window is open. Why isn't the team pushing its chips in the middle now? It's, it's, it's never going to get more open than it is now. And that's the most frustrating part for me as a fan. <sighs> uh, the, wow. the most frustrating part for me too, is that there's people to be had, right? There's the Cubs are on a fire sale right now. The Indians are on a fire sale. 
the Rays were on a fire sale. You know, like there's players out there that you can have for pennies on the dollar, and they're not in on them. The fact yeah. that the Mets were able to add Car- like I, I I can't harp on this enough. The fact that the Mets were able to add Carrasco for as a throw in in that deal is bananas. The Yankees should have been on that in a, in a heartbeat if he was there to be had. You have you have you still have a healthy farm system. Um, you know, they, they may not have top of the line, you know, top 100 uh, prospects. They, they have a couple, but not as much as they used to be. But you have enough in there to not shift the balance of your, of your mm-hmm. uh, farm system to get these type of players, right? You don't have to give up Jason Dominguez for a player like that. You don't even have to give up a Clark Schmidt for a player like that. You no. can give one of these 11 through 20 top prospects that you have to get a player like that when these teams are trying to shed payroll for no reason. I mean, yeah. I understand it with the Rays to an extent, but when, when the Indians and, and, and the Cubs are doing it and they have the talent there, you need to be in on that. I'm yeah. not upset they didn't get Lindor. They, they didn't need Lindor, right? But you need to get the, these pitchers that are out there. And again, I agree with you fundamentally what you're saying with, with Bauer because I don't want Bauer on the Yankees. I never did. And I'm happy that for Mets fans that he's not there as a Yankee fan, I would have loved him there because he would be the most hateable person on the team. And I need someone to balance out uh, Lindor for me. Um, but you know, it's, it's all about the, 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 the optics of it, right? The fact that they're not in on these players and they're dumpster diving for, for Corey Kluber uh, when, when he's getting showcased to teams that have no interest and in, he just, you know, in, in making the playoffs like the Red Sox and are just there to, um, you know, give him a paycheck to see if he can do a prove it year and, and make something out of it at the deadline. The Yankees are trying to win a championship. They're always trying to win a championship. That's their mission statement every year. And to not go all in is, is it's the slap in the face to the fans. Well, yeah, you guys and, just and said a did, whole lot, and, by the way. Yeah. And, they, and, and, and the frustrating part was like, they they talked to the they talked to Cleveland about Lindor and Carrasco and then like they just put their they just stopped they they the Indians made their offer they didn't make a counter offer they just said well, okay we're gonna wait for you know DJ LeMahieu to take until January to sign and then they basically let they let not that I wanted to get Snell but they let uh, uh, Darvish go they let Lance Lynn get traded away they had all this pitching gap that that the teams are just they just said okay we do, we don't want to spend. Just take take these guys, and, and you know you don't, you don't have to give up. Pro, you don't have to give up prospects. Just eat the money. That's what the Yankees fucking do. They print money, and then they just let these these quality guys who can make a, a real difference on this team, uh, just just go just go to opponents and go to. But I, I think uh, what you said before too about players like Quintana, like that, those are people the Yankees should be all over too. Like yeah. just the dependable guys for the for the middle to, to end of the rotation. We don't have that. We have a no. bunch of like question marks and four and five rotation guys. We don't have anything between for two and three, and we don't know what we have. Uh, I I would be shocked if more than one of the players that they have that are question marks turn out well out of the four four main yeah. question marks they have out of the rotation. But I think and Keith's it, been trying to interrupt us for a while. Yeah, no, fine. you guys we're, are we're absolutely keep, crushing one, one it. Keep, keep more, going, keep more, going. One more point. You know, the best case, the best case scenario is <laughs> Corey, Corey Kluber turns into the old Corey Kluber and Tyon builds on his, his great 2018 and partial 2019. And that Severino comes back and he's the Severino of old, but like, dude, this all depends on health. This all depends on health. And what fucking and the Yankees have been world? super healthy for the past three what, years. What world are you living in? We're like, what fucking world are you living in? Where the, where you think that you're just going to say, Oh, we can just, we could just count on these guys being healthy. Like, it's it's incredible from what from what 
what's been happening with the Yankees health wise the last two years. I don't know how you could, how your strategy would be is cross our fingers, hope, hope these upside guys stay healthy and, and we'll be good to go. Like that's, it's bonkers, I, yeah, it's fucking bonkers I, I, to me. I'm hoping that we like stock stockpiled up on like soft tissue that we could just dole out to our players for all the injuries <laughs> that they're going to have this year. Cause uh. that's all we have. It's never like a broken finger or like a like a, like a, a wrist or something. John like Carlson uh, pulled a calf muscle, uh, just uh, eating his breakfast cereal in the morning, and that's it. It's the reaching same, up it's to the, the top shelf over and over again. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Grant, I don't, I'm glad you guys just went off and you guys just absolutely crushed that. I was going to add like a sentence in the middle because I don't have as much to say as you guys, but this is what I was thinking. And I'm glad, I'm glad I waited at this point because the more you both talked about it, the stronger I feel about what I'm about to say. You guys were talking about the Yankees, the Mets and the Dodgers in your little tirade right there. Right. And it just occurred to me, the Dodgers are the Yankees right now. The Dodgers are who we think the Yankees are. And that's who they should be. Not who the Yankees should be and who we think the Yankees are, right? Because they're doing all these things. They're getting an embarrassment of riches. They're saying, you know, screw the luxury tax. We're so good. We can win a championship. We're going to do everything we can to do as such. And the Yankees are acting like the damn Mets. We, just we, I just said to Alec to talk about the Mets before. I'm saying, you know, last year in the preview, you were like, yeah, you and Andrew, this is a great conversation. Interesting, but... You're talking about this question mark, this question mark, this question mark, this question mark. It's exactly what Drew just did in regards to the Yankees. He said, this guy's a question. We're hoping this guy's good. We're hoping this guy's good. We're hoping this guy's healthy. And that's exactly what's happening. There's not much insurance, especially in the rotation side of things. So is it time to think differently about the Yankees? It's impossible for fans to do. You don't want to do it. But in reality, that's what the franchise is telling fans right now. That's how they're acting about it. Alex said something way earlier before about, you know, saying Severino coming back from injuries like signing a free agent, that's like a slap in the face to to Yankee fans because, you know, you shouldn't get credit for having something before and just it coming back. When it comes to a team like the Mets or the Knicks, for example, which we're about to talk to, when the Knicks have an offseason where they don't, d- like, stupidly spend their cap and they keep flexibility, it's a great move because they're not playing for anything too serious. They're playing to get better, but they're not playing for a championship. They're not even playing for a top four seed in, in a conference. So if they wisely don't spend, you can easily argue it's smart. Maybe a couple of years back when the Mets weren't looking like a, a real contender, if they didn't spend too much, you can argue it's smart because they need to do it over the next couple of years. The Yankees are past all that shit. They're, they've been past it. They've been past it since Girardi left. You know, Girardi was there and he Before overachieved. That, really. Yeah, yeah. He, they 20, overachieved with the young with the young with the young squad, and they've been past that phase of this is cute and this is fun for a minute. Always, that's how the Yankees are. And right now, nothing is telling us that they're anything different than any other franchise in the league, other than the fact that they're consistently putting out positive, winning baseball pretty much every day, despite a lot of this stuff. One thing I will say, I guess, just to play devil's advocate here is. It's not so far removed that the Yankees did trade for Giancarlo Stanton. That could be sure. considered the Mookie Betts move of the Dodgers or something like that. Was that three years ago? Him, right? 
Yeah, three years ago. And But I, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, right? Because mm-hmm. in addition to the Dodgers going to get Mookie, they also just went and got Trevor Bauer, right? So it's about consistently doing that. It's not just about making one move. You have to solidify as much as you can. Baseball is a long sport. Baseball has a lot of question marks always, and you need to mitigate as many variables as you can along the way by adding on-paper talent that you can count on and be dependable for. And that's what the Yankees just haven't done. It's like oh, like you've had years where there's been surprises, right, where you're, you're you with all the question marks in terms of health, players have, you know, taken big steps. You had the years where yeah. Mike Ford and Talkman were really good, and that's exciting. But do I want to wait for that year in, year out, and, and, and hope for that to, to happen? No. I want to have no. Yeah, exactly. And, like, and like to, to, to let T- Tanaka go – who it seemed like wanted to be back and just took a better offer to go to Japan. I I, I think you'd find most Yankee fans are upset with that, right? I'm, nobody's like like screaming outside of Hal's office or anything like that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, Hank's office. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 tough for a fan to see a player like that go when you know what you're going to get out of them, and to hope for for just something to happen out of players that most likely not nothing good is going to happen out of a Kluber or a Tyon or a Herman or Severino this year. Maybe it happens next year. You have controllability for Severino and, and, uh, and Tyon, but like, I don't know. I, I, I just, you need to con- consistently put into the team year in and year out for fans to feel like they're getting what they need. Yeah. And I don't know how many years in a row now where like the Yankees were, where you can say like, oh, we, we just needed like one or two more pieces. And they were said like last year when Caitlin went down and when Severino went down outside and, and you reasonably thought, okay, they'll, tr- they'll get somebody at the deadline. They'll, tr- they'll make a trade. They'll, they'll improve. They'll, they'll at least make themselves back whole again. And they went into the fucking playoffs without making a move without, without any adding any, when you could have gotten players like hand for nothing. Yeah. You could have got them for nothing. And you just chose to say, okay, we're making the playoffs. We'll just cross our fingers and, and we'll hope for the best. Just getting to the playoffs and it's a crapshoot. No, you need to have the depth and you need to have the players to, to get you over the hump. You can't just feel like you're going to luck into a World Series. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Especially because the Yankees have been an inning away from the World Series twice now. Uh, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, that's something to note too. You can reasonably say they're one piece away from from being a World Series lock, right? I don't know what that piece is, but when you're getting that close that often, you need to continue to put into the system to get something back. You can't wait for like a Jason Dominguez for like three years from now or whenever that happens. You you need to like put your chips in and be the Yankees of old. Like you have the foundation to add to it. It's not like you're trying to retool the team entirely. You have the foundation, you have the pieces you need to solidify. That's all you need to do. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Exactly. It weirdly reminds me of like the Packers a little bit. Aaron Rodgers being like the foundation by himself. And then the the franchise just seemingly not giving what they want and need. And that's kind of where you the know Yankees what's going to happen with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. He's probably he might leave the team right now. Yeah. When the Yankees two years from now and everyone is is up for contract extensions or, or become free agents, they're going to lose some people this way. You're not going to have Aaron Judge on your team. Oh, You're well. not going to have ex. Honestly, I, I don't, don't think he'll that. leave. I, I think I think that there's a pretty good shot. No, people didn't think that Didi was going to leave. Uh, you know, people didn't think that Doc was well, going to leave. The I Yankees didn't want Didi back. I feel like they were like, oh, could, go ahead. Could, could, Cano too, yeah, that's that's a good point. Cano, uh, you're right about Didi. Uh, it didn't seem like they wanted him back, but I'm, I'm, 
honestly, the way that Glaber plays shortstop, they probably should have kept him <laughs> mm-hmm. because Glaber's not a great shortstop by any stretch of the imagination. No. So I, I just, I, the Yankees are clearly fine with losing people that they've had that, and just letting them hit the open market. And, and I, I would not be shocked if they, if they let Gary go, that's the easy one. If they let uh, Judge go, they're going to have to make decisions between these guys if they're going to stay under the luxury yeah. tax. I mean, you still have like Stanton and Cole making a lot of money for a very Six, long time. Sixty-five you know? million dollars between the two of them until like twenty thirty. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just I so, can't it, imagine Aaron Judge in another uniform right now. But if he has like a weird injury plagued year again or whatever, and who the will. hell knows, man? Weird stuff can happen. I don't I don't know. I can't picture it. But if you're saying it. I, said, I guess it's possible. I said a couple of years ago that Aaron Judge was going to be the next Nick Johnson, and oh he's been a little bit better than Nick Johnson, but he's not been far off by way of like the injury bug. So mm, yeah, that's that's rough. Crazy. Well, let's uh <clears throat> let's finish up the Yankees here because we do got to get to some Nick stuff. We've already been going for way longer than we planned, like way longer than we planned. But it's okay. It's been very very exciting. There's been um... well, get ready for six hours of the Knicks talk with me. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex just getting going. I keep feeling like I, I keep planning to talk Knicks, and I put them at the end of the episode for some reason. And we keep pushing them to, like, the 50-minute mark. It's kind of rude to the Knicks. Uh, but, hey, whatever. That was great baseball talk. Last thing on the Yankees before we, we go, just like I asked with the Mets, is there one person, a pitcher, hitter, whatever, who you look at and say, <clears throat> that's the X factor. That's the guy who needs to bring something extra to push this team over a hump to cover up some of their holes. Who's the guy you're looking at, whether it be, again, a new guy, a guy coming back, doesn't matter. So I, it, it depends on how you look at it, right? If you're, if you're saying throughout the season, I don't really have that guy. But if you're going to talk about the playoffs, you need to have Chapman right. And if you're not going to have Chapman right, you need to make a decision on Chapman because he has blown too many games in the playoffs for us uh, to, to, to be consistent in that, in that spot anymore. That's your, your X factor. Every time he looks comfortable, he starts breaking down and has a couple bad games or whatever it is. I don't think Chapman is what he was. And I don't think you'll ever see Chapman in that respect again. You know, it's nice to see he, he developed the slider and everything, but the guy telegraphs his pitches. He doesn't have a lot of versatility to what he does. And, and that's your X factor because I just don't see him being what he, what we signed him to be. And you need to make a decision as to whether he's the closer going forward or not. And I think this is his, probably his last year as the closer for the Yankees. Mm. And guys aren't scared of a hundred anymore. So it has something to do no, with it. Everybody, 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 every, well, everybody's throwing a hundred, you know, uh, for me, I think I think it's got to be Cole um, for the, simply for the reason because if Cole's not right, then the rotation's really in trouble. Like even Fangraphs projections right now put the Yankees uh, as I think the number one or number two for in, in pitching, and mostly mostly that to do with is because of Garrett Cole. If Garrett Cole is not the ace, is not the guy that the Yankees signed him for, if for some reason he gets hurt. Or for some reason, he continues to have a home run problem, you know, uh, for whatever. God forbid. God forbid. It was just, I'm, not bring, I'm not putting that juju out into the universe. But for some reason, if that something like that happens, that, that the rotation is a disaster. Absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. So you have to depend on hopefully, you know, just pencil colon for 200 plus innings. And, and, and the other part is um, – that I don't think enough teams are, or maybe they are thinking about because the, the the Dodgers and the Padres are just picking up starting pitchers willy nilly. Is that like you had guys through like the, I think the most innings that anyone threw was like Bieber and he threw like 112 innings this year. Are you really expecting pitchers to be able to throw 
190, 200 innings after throwing so little last year? That's I think that's a big question mark for not just the Yankees but the entire league. So did, how many good, innings? Good you, point. That's a how good many point. innings is the cold? You know, are are you are you telling him to throw 100 and 170 innings and then to save him for the playoffs so he's not completely gassed by August September? You know, I think that's a the the starting pitching and just Garrett Cole in general is like my big X factor for for the Yankees. Sometimes it's the most obvious guy. Sometimes it has to be because, like you said, there's not enough to be able to make up for setbacks from your studs. I'm having I'm having flashbacks to the Mets of last season. Do we have Waka and Porcello? Is that what we're dealing with right now with the Yankees? <laughs> Do you? Kluber and, and Tyon? <laughs> Maybe. Well, ugh. Kluber obviously had a higher peak, even though you know Porcello did technically win a Cy Young, but Kluber had the yeah, higher peak out of any of those guys. But, you know, if we're talking what have you done for me lately, it doesn't feel that different, right? No. Oh my gosh, that's scary. I, I, well, well I'm history would show that the Mets did very, very well last year and won a World Series, so we're in good shape. <laughs> well, uh, what is it? Baseball perspective, uh, prospectus, Andrew, or perspecta, whatever that. Prospectus. Prospectus, that algorithm that you sent us yes. in the chat, has the Mets yes. uh, projected as a 95 win team. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Smash oh, the well. under on that Yeah. One. Well, I don't know. Actually, I, let me see if I can find the over under on both teams. Obviously, I don't think they have those out here yet. Yeah, probably yeah. not. Not on FanDuel. I'm sure I could find them somewhere else, but whatever. It's 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 uh we have a few weeks to make those decisions on overs and unders for for baseball stuff. So uh let's move on to some Knicks talk. And now that we're at an hour mark almost on this podcast, let's talk Knicks for fifteen minutes here at least. This is the end game to the uh the baseball infinity war. <laughs> what? Talking the Knicks? It's a two it's a two parter. Yes, exactly. This is it. This is only, you know, is there a blip right now? We'll see what happens in the next 15 minutes, but uh, we shall see. Uh, by the way, speaking of that, Alec, WandaVision? Dude, oh, I know. Wild. It's, it's nuts. You knew Dude, I was going to bring it up right there, too. I just got flustered. Once you said blip, once you said blip, I knew. Dude, WandaVision's yeah, got me tuned in. Spoiler alert, um, you know, uh, Thanos snapped half the world, so pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, pretty, cra- pretty crazy stuff. And then watching them all come back in basically like the same way, that was that was like a... I was like, well, well, that's wow, actually a spoiler, so don't do that. <laughs> Wait, is that episode six? That's four, I think. Okay, five. so not, oh, you're talking about like regular people coming back in the hospital and stuff? Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, yeah. you were talking about they were showing other people come back. In no episode that I may have not seen yet. I don't know if six even came out yet. Whatever. WandaVision, no, really good if you're a Marvel guy watching. We gotta talk Knicks. Yes. <laughs> New York Knicks. Um, there is there is one place we can start here, and I think it feels right just because of the news and the the newness of Derrick Rose being a New York Nick again. It's obviously a bit strange because Derrick Rose's outlook like from the league's perspective or from a fan's perspective is extremely different today than it was when he was with the Knicks, what, four years ago now? He has spent time in Minnesota and really done well in certain situations. He's spent time in Detroit and done really well in some situations. And now he's with New York, and it was a weird trade where I said on Twitter before it even happened, like a week before it even happened, and I said, I'm a Derrick Rose guy. What he did in Minnesota was real. What he did in Detroit was real. He can score. He's not a bad facilitator. He can really, really help offensively, pretty much any team that he's on. Not that he's fantastic, not that he's amazing or an all-star or a great starter. Nice, solid backup point guard, man. Yeah, he's an okay starter probably and a very solid backup point guard. But it didn't feel right for the Knicks. But you have to take into this other part of it where he is 
really, really leaning into being an older guy, a mentor, there for the youngins. Ask me anything you want. First thing he did as a Nick, he takes out quickly an Obi Toppin, uh, Topin for dinner and says, yo, I'm here, questions, whatever. I'm, I'm ready to be a mentor and help everybody out as best way I can and be a good player on the court. We saw a mixed bag of that in, the, in his first game against the Heat. He made some great plays. He had some bad plays. So I was anti-Rose on the Knicks before it happened. I'm still kind of anti the trade, but now that he is here, I'm a Derrick Rose appreciator. I root for him, and I do think he has a lot. To, he has some stuff to offer, not a lot to offer. So it feels better now that he's actually on the court because watching him and Alfred Payton, uh, Rose has more dy- dy- He's more dynam- dynamicism. I was going to go for that, but you know I wouldn't have got that right. Um, and Alfred <laughs> Payton offensively. But it just feels a little bit weird now, and the rotations have already been an issue. So, Alec, where have you landed on the Derrick Rose thing? You know, maybe from when you first heard the trade to now where you saw it in action. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird trade. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously we need point guard help, but does Derrick Rose really add point guard help? He's kind of maybe like a marginally, marginally better than Alfred Payton, but Alfred Payton still seems to be the starter. Does that change? Maybe. Uh, but I don't like, I, I, I can tell that the, 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 I mean, Tibbs put him with quickly today, right? And they played mm-hmm. quickly, played normal minutes. I don't, I think that quickly needs to have the ball in his hands to be effective. I don't think he, uh, you know, he's good as a two guard off the ball. Uh, I know Tibbs sees him as that, uh, but I just don't see that. So that's all, you know, with Rose, it helps in the fact that, it, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. He's Tibbs' guy, right? And to have someone who knows that system in and out, who buys into that system, that system made him into what he is, that is effective when you need some veteran leadership on that team, right? I mean, your veterans right now are Julius Randle, who's 26 years old and really hasn't had a ton of success in the league outside of this season and some, you know, stat padding seasons, and Taj Gibson, who is at least a million years old. And, so, you know, and Reggie having Bullock. a player like this... Yeah, and exactly. And that's not saying anything. But having a player who's still effective in the league and is a veteran and knows the system very well, that could be beneficial. But doling out the minutes and having a tight rotation has been a problem for the Knicks the entire season from a fan perspective. Granted, you know, it has amounted to a significantly more watchable team and exciting team than, than, uh, than, than we anticipated. So maybe we're wrong in, in wanting to see more players like Frank and, and, and Quickly and Knox that we haven't seen. But until Alfred Payton is out of that starting rotation, and, and obviously we don't really care about actual starters, it's about playing with the, the right units there. Um, I, I just don't see it being effective. And especially because Peyton has a de facto no trade, cl- uh, no trade clause. So you can't really get rid of him. I don't know if you can waive him, um, but having him on the team, you just have a log jam of moderately adequate point guards with upside in quickly and downside in, in Peyton and, and Rose. So I think he helps, but the, the, you need to iron out the rotations more before this becomes an effective team. Yeah, absolutely, and it's so it's so tough because of where they are at. From a lot of accounts, they're overachieving right now. I think they're just outside after tonight's uh, breakdown of the of the records. They're just outside the top eight in the East. Yeah, I think they're nine. Yeah, yesterday they were they were right there. Um, so, but they're right there. They're in the playing situation. You know, Miami's starting to get right. Jimmy Butler's healthy, so they've won three in a row. The Toronto Raptors are really starting to turn it around. And, and this is what I was kind of saying a week or two. Uh, week or so ago, I think Andrew and I, when we did the Lindor podcast, I actually did five or 10 minutes on the Knicks at the end there. And I was like, you know what, for as exciting as they've been and for 
how close they've been in so many games, there's not really many true complaints to have other than the fact that this seems like the ceiling. Like, this seems like everything going very well with this setup, with this rotation. And if this is the ceiling of that, and there's going to be regression to the mean with, you know, opponents wide open three-point percentage, that if that goes up and the defense goes from a top five ranked defense to a top 14 ranked defense, which is still, you know, better than average and whatever, they're going to go from an 11 and 15 win team to a 15 and 29 win team. And then it starts to get ugly and, and you're not in the play-in and, and it's a very different outlook on the whole season. So when I think about what I want to see right now, even though we're still technically the nine seed, I want to see some more experimentation. I want to see, you know, if Reggie Bullock doesn't see, seem to have it or if Alec Burks is shooting like, you know, shooting like crap one night, even though he's been pretty consistent actually as a shooter, you know, we need to see Knox get in there and give it a whirl. We finally saw Obi, maybe it was the Derrick Rose effect, but we saw Obi play with some real energy one of the first times of the season, uh, tonight versus the Heat. There needs to be more of a shakeup mentality from Tibbs on a rotation standpoint where it's not the exact same rotation where other teams know exactly who's coming in, who's coming out. We're not afraid of him. We're not afraid of him. There's no real shooters on this team outside of a couple guys who are who are really, you know, tertiary players, role players like Bullock and Burks. So there's not a lot of experimentation. There's not a lot of juice inserted other than when Emmanuel quickly comes off the bench or Nerlens Noel comes off the bench and makes a couple blocks. So I don't know what the exact route is. I don't know who exactly needs to come in. I have my my opinions, my thoughts, but there needs to be some experimentation here. Am I wrong? No, I agree with you, I, I, especially because you've seen in the limited minutes that certain players have had something that you don't see, you know, with some of the starters or some of the, the rotation players that you have. Like, I, I, I understand that Frank played like five minutes, but when he did play, he looked solid. Knox is like, is shooting like 45% from three. He looks dead eye out there from the corner. You need to get Knox more minutes. You, you finally have something in Knox who seemed like a, one of the biggest busts the Knicks have ever had, and that's saying something, <coughs> in a team devoid of shooting. I understand defense is at a premium with Tibbs, right? And it's good to instill that culture. But at a certain point, you need to get some, some of these guys in there. You can't be rolling with the exact same 10, 9, 10 people that you're having until somebody has like a bad game or two and then they just get inexplicably taken out of the, the rotation, which has happened with Austin Rivers, which has happened with like Kevin Knox and everything like that. So um, I, I couldn't agree with you more, though. That he needs to have experimentation with the, with the rotations. It, it just It's too finite. Um, and it's easy to game plan. And, and it's, it, it, I, I guess he's just sticking with what's getting him to a top five defense. And I think at this point, I know you're, you're, you're waiting for the other uh, shooter drop. And I, I guess we all are, but it does seem like we're a defensively sound unit at the very yes. least. Right. And, and it's hard to complain this year. Like, like we, we lost this game tonight to the heat and it was kind of a heartbreaker, but you can't really get too upset when the Knicks lose a game like that, because what did we want to see at the beginning of the season? Right. We just wanted the basketball to see them compete. Yeah. We wanted to see them be, play competent basketball and to be in it at games. And they've surpassed that. Now we're talking about playoffs, but I, I try to keep myself a little level on that because I, I, I you know, I, I just want to be excited about the Knicks and you are still in the most, healthy version of yourself that you could be and the fact that you still have so much draft capital you know that there's a trade incoming in some respect because they're not going to take in four rookies in each draft with the amount of draft picks that they have right so there's maneuverability there you're still fine uh, you, you still have like financially sound with your cap space 
they're they're gonna make a move eventually, whether it's this season, excuse me, this season or the off season. You know, it seems like players like Beal are to be had out there, and 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 a player like that is exactly what the Knicks need. You know, no shit. I mean, he's putting right. up forty five points, uh, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. He's someone who a true scorer. They don't have a true scorer on the team. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can move well with or without the ball. And, and, and that's exactly what they need. Even a player like Buddy Heald, where there was rumors a couple of weeks ago for, for them getting, that's the type of player that they need because a player like that makes RJ a lot better, right? It, it makes Julius Randle a lot better. You, uh, you know, RJ is becoming a legitimate scorer in, in the league. He may not be the best shooter. His, his mid-range looks really good, but, you know, he may not be the best shooter all around the court, but He's someone who can score, and he needs to get the ball as opposed to, you know, uh, get the ball and driving once he catches it and, and slashing as opposed to trying to do everything from the get-go, uh, which is kind of how we're operating. And I, I really like the point where you brought up about experimentation, Pete, because, like, again, we, we again, me not being the most knowledgeable uh, basketball person on, on this podcast, but I obviously it's clear that the Knicks aren't, you know, they might be on the bubble of, of a playoff team, but they're not. The, the you know you don't have high expectations for them. it's about experimentation it's about figuring out what works and what doesn't work and what you can build on going forward and I don't think you can do that if you have such strict rotations if you're still playing the same you know eight nine guys every single night so I think that the key for them is that they, they really need to figure out exactly what is the pieces that you're going to build on going forward. And I think Rose, I mean, he, he was pretty sloppy in the fourth quarter tonight, you know, with that, uh, the turnover and the mm-hmm. block shot, but like, I, I think he can be a guy that can j- it, it just gel with the team, show them how to do things the, the, the right way and just be, be the guy that they can say in, in a couple of years, like Derek Rose was the guy to help me show, show the way and build that winning culture around the team. So again, it's about experimentation. It's about just building forward, uh, building up what, what you can see is going to be part of the next future. Right. And, and so much about the NBA right now is putting your players in positions to succeed. It's something that Daryl Morey with the Rockets and now with the Sixers has done. It's like, all right, what is this guy good at? What's he really good at? What's he not so good at? We're going to do a lot of those first two things. We're going to not let him do the other stuff. When I'm looking at what Obi Toppin has going on here and Kevin Knox has going on here, I'm not seeing them being put in positions to to succeed very often. They're being just thrown onto the court to fill the given role to what they're supposed to be. It's not very uniquely set up for them to have much success, right? So that's part of the problem, and I wonder if the other shoe will drop with Tom Thibodeau because this is what we signed up for. And when I was excited about this coaching hire, I wanted to learn about this team and who we can look at as a true cornerstone. Who's going to bust their ass on defense? We actually found out pretty much everybody on the team right now is busting their ass on defense. That's a huge win. On offense, where it has been pretty close to abysmal, especially when the game tightens up, is there going to be that same... um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for from Tom Thibodeau? The same sort of, you know, stick to itness where intensity, in, yeah, integrity, intensity, whatever it may be from Tom Thibodeau. Where if Alfred Payton has a stretch of bad fourth quarters, why the hell do we get Derrick Rose if we're not going to give him a chance to close some games, right? Now, granted, Mike Breen said it perfectly on the on the broadcast. Every time it seems like quickly he's going to take the spot from from Payton, he puts together a great game. It looked like Rose was playing great. Rose struggles. Peyton makes some plays late in the game. So, yes, Peyton's doing just enough, but when does just enough not become enough 
for Tom Thibodeau, and it forces him to shake it up a little bit. Now, I know the Frank Neal Aquina thing, at, at some point, for Knicks fans and non-Knicks fans alike, it becomes sort of a joke, right? And Alec and I are clearly on the side of pro-Frankie Smokes. But it's hard to to stay on that side and and justify it when he doesn't get a minute. My guy's played four games this year, and he's shot 50% in those four games. It's irrelevant because he's played so little, and one of those four games he shot, I think, what was it, four or five or something like that. So the percentages are a bit skewed anyway. But is there a turning point where Tibbs, who apparently is so obsessed with winning, he's going to squeeze out every single possible win he can? I think there's a point where his methodology of what he's doing right now is not squeezing out every win anymore. Because if you give a chance to quickly or Nilakina or Derek Rose to close who haven't been closing every single game and they show you something or there's some, some growing pains, then you, you can move off that and a win or a loss today could be worth more wins in the future when those guys are, are, are really getting comfortable. So I, I hate to be harping on the same horse here because I've, I've said this on the podcast probably five times already about the rotations here, but there's a point where it's not just going to be certain fans are frustrated. All fans are going to be frustrated when they can't close out a fourth quarter anymore, and these tightly, defensively intense games that they're playing don't turn into any wins, and they're looking at a bad record because they're, they're 7 out of 10 losses here in the last 10. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't really have much to add. To yeah, I don't know if there's much to add to that, to be honest. I, I I will add this, though. Ian Begley, um, probably the most trustworthy Nick reporter for my money, he did mention that there is a contender out there looking at Alfred Payton as a you know backcourt insurance policy. where bolster, he yeah. yeah, built to bolster the backcourt, whether it be you know, spot starter, just straight up rotation guy as a backup. And and that's something that you need to explore. And with all the criticisms or question marks we have about Tom Thibodeau, the one thing that's absolutely undeniable to this point right now, February 9th, 11.54 p.m., Leon Rose is still crushing it. He's doing a good job. Even if you don't love the Derrick Rose trade, give Dennis Smith in a second rounder. Not hurting in any ways. And it seems like even if it's not helping on the court, it can help a lot off the court which can lead to some great things down the line. Leon Rose, A's across the board for me thus far. Alec, do you agree? Oh, yeah. And and the biggest thing for me is is not just the Tibbs hire, but the, the, the coaching and the scouting department that they've done. People are seeming to forget that um, quickly was entirely scout, you know, scouting dependent. The, the fact that we were able to sneak him, uh, sneak him out there uh, late in the first round, that's because of our scouting department that Rose put together. The fact that we're able to work on uh, players like like Randall and take him to a, a, the next level of his game—that's Johnny Bryant right there, right? Like, all, all uh, and and Kenny Payne and and uh, Johnny Bryant working with like quickly and Toppin and all these younger players and, and fixing their games and allowing them to play what's good and, and even Kevin Knox becoming an awesome spot-up shooter. That's all development, right? And and I love. Johnny Bryant as well. I like to just talk about him a little bit too, because he is setting these players up for such long-term success too, allowing them to, with the connections he has, even just like setting up conversations for quickly with Lou Williams and, and Damian Lillard after games, that stuff goes a long way with a, with a player who's clearly hungry, like he is and Toppin too, uh, you know, they drafted him and he, you know, maybe not exactly what we expected. I think that's kind of because, our hand was a little forced with Randall being as good as he's been this year. 
but Toppin's going to be a guy who's going to be good in this league. You can kind of tell by just how active he is and how, how much he wants to be good. And he just kind of isn't in the situation right now where he's going to succeed, but that's okay. I mean, he's going to have his time, the time to shine. I mean, whenever he's on the floor, he's incredibly enthusiastic to play and he has the talent and he, he's good for a circus play a game. So, I mean, drafting wise, they did great coaching hire wise. They did great. They maintained all their flexibility going forward. I mean, Rose is knocked it out of the park, like you said. I uh, I will push back on the on the Obi Topin stuff. I cannot get myself to say Topin. By the way, I'm saying Topin on the steady, and it's wrong, and I know it's wrong, and I still say Obi Topin every time. It's okay. We're gonna say Topin forever. Yeah, it's gonna take me like a year to get that right. But I I actually I kind of disagree with you. I agree with your outlook. I'm not giving up on him by any means, but I've been pretty disappointed in him. I'm just chalking it up to limited minutes and you know lack of Dude, experience. He plays five minutes a game. Fra- I mean, Frank and Kyle on the NBA Outsiders, Frank Villani and Kyle Anderson, they're they're like almost out. They have a foot out the door on Obi already. They're saying they see nah. just feet stuck in the ground on defense, lack of intensity, and um, you know unless he's getting wide open in a dunker spot to push the throw down a relatively crazy dunk, he looks kind of lost out there. I kind of agree. But I'm not blaming it on him and calling it a bust, even bust potential. Well, there's obviously bust potential, but I'm not calling it a bust by any means. It's far, far too early. Yeah, I, 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 we knew he wasn't going to be a strong defender. I, I guess yes. that that's what we were going to get out of him. So the feet being stuck uh, uh, comment, yeah, that makes sense, and I agree with yeah. that. But in terms of his offense, I, I'm not really worried about his offense. The guy plays inconsistent minutes upon inconsistent minutes. I mean, yeah. you never know when he's going to come in. You never know what unit he's going to come in with. Um, he shows flashes of intense athleticism and some really good skill as well. And just, you know, being able to create some shots. And like I said, he's good for a circus play a game. And um, you, the guy just doesn't have an opportunity to shine right now. The game hasn't been able to slow down for him yet because he hasn't had an opportunity to be in a game long enough for, right. for it to slow down on yeah. him. And I, what I find frustrating or what I could imagine would be really frustrating for him, he seems to get like one post-touch a game where, you know, it's not designed for yeah. him, but whatever reason he gets like an okay matchup. Like today he got a post-up on Duncan Robinson. He ended up finishing to the baseline, which was a nice move, and he just bullied Duncan Robinson, which is what he should do. He's a lot stronger. But it feels yeah. like there's certain moments where he's like, damn, yo, if I don't try to score right now, it could be my last shot of the game. And that's just not the position you want to be in as a young guy, as a draft pick, where your teammate is now the fourth highest odds in rookie of the year in Emmanuel quickly. And he was supposed to be, you know, a rookie of the year candidate looked at as an offensive sure thing, just based off energy. He's going to give you 12 points, right? He hasn't even had the chance to do that because he's playing 12 minutes a game, not 24 like we had hoped or thought he might. Um, so yeah, it's tough. I do want to ask about a few more things. So we're going to say goodbye in a moment here. Um, has there been anyone else other than quickly who has been a true pleasant surprise for you on this team? Either of you guys, Andrew or Alec. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Alec Burks has been awesome. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, did you want to jump in Drew? No, uh, good. <laughs> well, I didn't want to just act like I'm you're sorry. not there, but you know, I want to give you a shot. <laughs> I'm still here guys. My bad. I'm here. <laughs> Uh, I, I think Alec Burks has been awesome. I, I think you, you got everything that you could ask for out of that guy. He's consistent. He's a shooter. He spaces the floor, plays solid enough defense. I mean, everyone here does. So that's, that's great. And, uh, 
I mean, outside of that, Randall has obviously been the biggest surprise of the year. Randall's a legitimate all-star, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think we all wanted uh, Beyblade Randall to get out of the off the team as soon as possible before the year. So, I, dude, I was a year super early. Surprising with that. I was a year early on yeah, that take. Remember that let take last year? I was like, listen, Julius yeah. Randall. He just was like twenty and nine. Now, if he's like twenty-one and ten, he's an all-star in New York. I was just a year early, man. All it took was Tibbs. Playing him 44 minutes a game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it also helped that his turnovers got halved and his assists like, tri- uh, tripled. So Six assists and, a game. And I'd say, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say a player, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but I don't think when the, the Knicks hired Thibodeau that it was going to be such a slam dunk um, signing as a coach. Am I, am I correct on that? It, it was uh, very much a mixed bag mixed of reactions. Reviews. Yeah. Mixed yeah, reviews. Sure. But, and, and you're talking about a guy who I think I think he's been the biggest surprise here, getting the Knicks to actually play defense. And as you said, being a top five defensive team in the league, I mean, small sample size and only a certain amount of games. But I think that uh, I think he's given you everything that you could possibly ask for um, as a head coach right now. Yes, 100 percent. And it's a fair thing to say, because we obviously spent a lot of the last 15 minutes criticizing things we want to see differently. Um, But yeah. Clearly, there's a level of competence under Tom Thibodeau that we haven't seen in quite a while since what? Mike Woodson? Maybe a, a small yeah. speck of time with Dan and Tony. And guess but... who's on the coaching staff? Mike Woodson. There we go. The coaching Forever. staff is, is legit. Um, one person who I actually have been pleasantly surprised with, and I did not expect this per se. I've been pretty happy with Nerlens Noel. I think as a backup big, because Mitch has been very, you know, pretty much as advertised. He hasn't been extraordinarily spectacular. He hasn't been bad. He's been, I would say he is. You think Mitch has been spectacular, like even way better than you expected or? Yeah. I mean, not like, you know, relatively speaking, like he's not Rudy Gobert. No, I'm like saying that. like you and I and most Knicks fans already had a high look at him and for him to average. You don't, you, you don't think the fact that he hasn't fouled out yet. Oh, well that's, season, that's a great point. Minutes, that's a great I mean, point. That's, that's a huge surprise. I mean, he's playing fantastic defense. He, playing 30-plus minutes a game, and he hasn't fouled out once. He had one game where he – it might have been two, but I'm pretty sure it was just one game where he had five fouls. That's bananas. We, who, I would have signed up for that 10 times out of 10 last year. Oh, 100%. I'm not trying to even remotely make this about Mitch not doing it. I'm, I'm just trying to say we had a high look at Mitch already, and the foul out thing is a great point that I wasn't thinking of. Other than that, I don't think he's been extraordinary or – you know, way better than we all already looked at him because we all already looked at him as a defensive game changer and a guy with great hands to make finishes around the hoop. He's been doing that stuff pretty much as well or a little better than we all hoped. Yeah, I I didn't want to make that as a slight at Mitch. I think he is who we need him to be at this point of time, plus some, for sure. Get that out of the way. He needs a backup (laughs) center who is competent and good and... Nerlens Noel is coming in the game playing like 15 minutes a night, averaging two blocks a game, rebounding the ball very well, and moving pretty well. I mean, he only he only scores like three points a game. He averages three and a half points a game. That's fine. From a backup big perspective, I need somebody to come in for Mitch and not lose a lot on defense and help out rebounding because his team is not a spectacular rebounding team. And I, I, I wouldn't have said that, but I think uh, if Taj Gibson can't, show what Nerlens Noel is showing currently. I don't want to see Taj get any minutes. I want him to be on the deep bench with uh, my boy Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina because I think Nerlens <laughs> Noel has earned that role as backup big and, and doing it damn well, helping this team stay afloat when Mitch isn't on the floor. 
Sure, but Nerlens Noel is kind of the same problem that we're having with Derrick Rose on the team is that he does the same thing that Mitch does, just not as good, right? And, yeah, but uh, I mean, Mitch can't play 48 minutes. Sure, but I think you need to diversify a little bit, right? Like, you, you, neither of them can finish outside of an inch between the basket, right? Yeah, like, Nerlens has a little bit of a push shot, and that's it. I wouldn't even say he has that. He'll take them. <laughs> does he have the ability to make them? No. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you you have that's the problem with the construction of the Knicks right now is you have too much duplicative player, too many cheap duplicative players, right? You have players that do the exact same thing and it doesn't allow for other players to shine in that respect, right? That you like Nerlens Noel has been very good for what Nerlens Noel is. He's been a better than advertised, I would even say in that mm-hmm. respect, and I agree with you. But the problem is he doesn't fit what we need, and he would be someone I would be like. Like I would love for them to trade him at the deadline and sell high on him and get something back for him. Mm. Well, I don't know if three points and five rebounds is enough to to sell high on him, but uh, if you uh, if you watch you, him, I mean, I'm not saying you need to get a, a first round pick out of oh, him, but you know, sure. if, no, if I know you what can you get mean. anything, any kind of value. I know what you mean for sure, and, and really shooting because if you think about this roster, it's shot creation and it's shot making. Whether you're talking about mm. you know Reggie Bullock or Alec Burks in the corner shooting a, a spot up jumper. You know, they're, they've been pretty good. Those two, that's pretty much it. You know, Austin Rivers at 36%. Even Randall, Randall's shooting pretty good for oh, three. I don't know what his numbers he's are. He's 39%. Like, I mean, no, he's been he's been very good, but he's four threes a game. He's not a guy who you want to see take a lot of jump shots. I agree. So yeah. I'm talking about volume shooting and shot creation and shot making because one of the biggest problems I think we could all agree on when you watch this team with four minutes left in a close game in the fourth quarter, you know, Defense is tightened up. Barrett's getting, you know, whacked on the way to the rim. It's tough for him to finish. He's not finishing incredibly really well at the rim right now. You know, Randall can get banged up. He's so physical. He doesn't get a ton of calls all the time. He gets calls sometimes. And there's nobody who you look at on this roster and say, okay, you know, you're at the top of the key. It's late in the shot the clock. Guy. Make yep. something yep. happen. Rivers can do it, you know, once every two weeks. Burks can do it maybe once a week. Bullock's not running no pick and rolls quickly is a rookie. You can't put that much weight on his shoulders. There's no true shot creation or shot making on this team. Uh, that's definitely the biggest hole that I'm seeing at this. Well, moment. there is, it's, it's riding the bench and that player is born in Belgium and grew up in France. Uh, his name is Frank <laughs> and he deserves some burn. Free Frank, man. Free freaking Frank. <laughs> I'm just saying, damn. Ah, well, that's I, it. Though. I agree with you, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, Randall can create his own shot. He can, and he's and, and the ability to to kick it out to, to an open shooter is good. I mean, do For you sure. have a dead a, a dead lock, you know, shooter on the team? No, but I, I think they have enough to close that games, and they've done that this year. I mean, you know, they're on a, a skid right now, but they've also shown this season that they, they can easily go on a, on a four or five game winning streak and and right the ship. So. I'm not really too worried. And, and you know, again, it's, it's, it's all relative because I don't expect them to win a championship this year, but um, you know, I, I think that you, you do have players right now where, where you're building that foundation of closers. Right. I think RJ next year could be that closer. Right? Mm-hmm. I think Randall right he's now is a there. serviceable closer. He's not, he's not a detriment to the team. Like he was last year. He adds value to the team and he's someone who has made difficult shots uh, this year. And, you know, can continue to put the ball in his hands, and I'm going to feel like at least it's a 50-50 shot. And that's more than I can say for the past five years of being a Knicks fan. Ain't that the truth? It is. I completely right. agree. We have, we have a <laughs> – Andrew, now you know how I feel occasionally when you guys are getting deep into some baseball stuff. 
and you know it's football <laughs> season or whatever, and I'm just like I've. Yeah, no, nah, Yankees are nothing. sick. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, now, you, just, you brought something to the table. I, I give you I'm props. Very, I'm you very brought happy it. with the contributions that I did make to the conversation. No, you nailed it, dude. I'm hyped about it. Two, yeah. two very strong takes out of you. I, I think you might have been another one, but two at least very strong ones. I loved it. I will say this before we say goodbye. Here's the next five games, six games, I'll say, for the New York Knicks. At Washington, home versus Houston and Atlanta, at Orlando, Home versus San Antonio, Minnesota. If you go further, home San Antonio, Minnesota, home Golden State, home Sacramento. So the next like four the next four to seven games are winnable. I didn't want to go to Golden State and Sacramento because they've both been playing pretty good basketball. The Spurs decent as well. Uh the Hawks are obviously better than us right now. The Rockets are better than the Knicks right now. The Magic are better than the Knicks right now. But all winnable games. This is one of those stretches where, you know. We can Make look back. We can look back and say, "Oh, damn, they were eleven fifteen. Those next six games. Now they're you know twelve and twenty one. Uh oh. Or they write the ship a little bit here. They get up to fourteen and seventeen or whatever the hell it may be. However it breaks out, and they win some games here. And we're like, nope, they are who we thought they were, and they're going to compete until this season's over. Uh, that this next six or seven games incredibly important because if they shit the bed, you're looking up." Real quick, and the lottery becomes more of a guarantee, in my opinion. But that's it. But that's what I wrote. I would, I, if you asked me before the the beginning of the season, if I would take that, hell yeah, I'd take that. I, this is still an incredibly successful season. I need to call you out for a second, yeah. though, don't I? You're trying to. No, I, I, I can tell you what I said. I said I think the Knicks could totally be fighting for an eighth seed. Yeah, but the but whole I, first I week of the season, the second week yeah, of the they, season, the Alec, third when week they of were, the season. When they were like five, when they would started out like five and three, you were you were hyped. The Knicks are good. You, you were text me. I'm still hyped. Confirm the Knicks are the good. The Knicks are good. Are they good? <laughs> the are good. Are they good? Or are they decent? Okay. They're watchable. Well, for me, they are it's watchable. All, it's all, How it's about all that? relative, man. You know what I mean. Do I th- I never thought they were going to be competing for a championship. Do I mean good... When I mean good, I mean, are they fucking watchable for the first time in 10 years? Well, we can all agree on that. You knew that that's what I meant. Yeah, but you beat beat the Jazz. You know, they beat the Jazz, and you're telling me, oh, the Knicks are good. Tell me the Jazz are not good. And the Jazz won 12 in a row. They crushed the Knicks the next game. You said you you kept moving the goalposts and were like, um, well, we'll see when when they play the Bucks. We'll see when they play the Jazz. And then I said 20. I've been saying 20 games. And this is the point where. Dude, you want me to pull out the receipts? I can find those texts (laughs) right now. You kept moving the goalposts. I'm acutely Mm -hmm. aware of what you said. (laughs) Every time they would beat a good team, which they did a lot in the beginning of the season, you kept saying, well, I think the the game against the Bucks would be a real challenge, a real test as to whether they're good. Beat the Bucks. Oh, I think that if they beat the Pacers, that'll be a good uh, good barometer. Oh, they beat the Pacers. Then it happened to the Jazz. And then the Jazz happened to win 12 in a row. You can't beat that. That's just what's going to happen. So they beat the Knicks. It's what they beat the Knicks. The Knicks were playing on the road in the West Coast a bunch. What do you want from them? <laughs> no, it's fair. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. They're, they definitely are, relative to proper expectation, good. But in general, in like real life NBA terms, yeah, no shit. they're decent. They're okay. They're okay I, with the possibilities of becoming bad. Fine, but the possibilities of also becoming above mediocre (laughs) this is going off the rails as we like to do they they could be anywhere from like a seven 
to 10 spot, I would say. So you think they're I, squarely I think a play-in team? I was talking about uh, the Mavericks the other yeah, day, which are a team that you love right now, right? The Mavericks. I was like, are they a playoff team or a play-in team? That's the question, right? For the Knicks, are they a play-in team or are they just out? Yeah, the- <laughs> I think I think you'd be ha- uh, I think you'd be happy team. whatever they can give you. You know, if they if they sneak in as a as a playoff team, I think you'll take it. If they you know if they if they if they don't, they're on the outside. I think you take whatever positives you can. And you just and you move forward. You, you, again, this season was never about um, you know big expectations. It's just it, it's seeing what fits, seeing what sticks, and move forward. And you know whatever whatever else comes out of it is just gravy. Facts. They, they found out what they had. And they have two potentially lottery picks <laughs> sorry edit that out i sneezed um two potential lottery picks money to be spent um take on a bad contract take on a uh find a disgruntled star of which there are many in this league perennially and and make it work you have what you need to, to do to start it out and you, you you consolidate your your uh your assets and you figure it out from there they will not be I would be shocked if they took two lottery picks this year. I can pretty much guarantee from my perspective, they're going to package those. If they even get them move up in the draft, they're going to find they're they're the next disgruntled star. They have what they need to get now. now. So I'm just, I'm hyped about the Knicks. I do think they'll make a move this year because I do think they're trying to, to, to win this year. Uh, Not win. You know what I mean? To, to, no, no. Trying to win is the right, is the right thing. Trying to win. It's not trying to win at all. It's just trying to win every night. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're trying to win this year, and I yeah. think that there's going to be another trade that happens. I think that they have it. I think that they're comfortable moving away from some some relative assets that they have on the team right now, and 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 they have the draft capital to do it. And you you potentially you essentially have three first round picks this year too, because you, that Detroit uh, that Detroit pick that we have in the second round is going to be the the best pick in the second round. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're we're in the spot to move up. I, I'm happy. Knicks are going to be fighting all year. It's exciting whether they win or lose. It is what it is. I'm just hyped to, to, to watch the Knicks this year. And I'm sorry we talked too much about the Mets that we couldn't talk about the Knicks tonight. No, we just <laughs> talked about the Knicks for like 35 minutes. It's fine. We just did. That was great. Yeah, well, I, I promised six hours. <laughs> there we go. We hit, right, we hit our going. goal. All right, so now on to uh, Super Bowl recap. Go for it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, this is Subway Sports Miserable. Talk, though. Uh, I'm Pete Kennedy. We got Alec Argento. We got Andrew Kalanya. Something I always forget to do. I just heard, why not do it now? Andrew Kalanya at underscore Swarles Barkley. Check him out on the Twitter and the gram. Uh, some good baseball tweets. And at Allegargento ESPN covering the Seattle Supersonics, Houston Oilers, and Montreal Expos. Guys all over the globe. Yeah, I think that's it. All over the globe. International. I, I, I have to update that. I haven't done that. I haven't changed that since I was like 15 years old. You got to just let um, it ride at some most- point. It's it's mostly just Nick Twitter retweets. Uh, so you're not really missing much if you don't follow me. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, friends. Thank you so much as always. This is Subway Sports Talk, SST, Apple Podcast app, Spotify. Go to Apple Podcast app, iTunes, drop a rating review. We appreciate that so, so much. We'll be back next week. Maybe, maybe later in this week, but I don't want to guarantee anything. We don't know. We don't know what's gonna happen. Definitely back next week. This is Subway Sports Talk, baby. Cheers. <laughs>